you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we are so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you're in your car, sitting in traffic, trying to get back home from work. We're going to be with you. We're going to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes with gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be, and that's completely free thanks to our sponsors this week, Speed Test, Fireside, and Squarespace. Squarespace! They made that possible, bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host, Slash nemesis. The guy who continues to double down on love this Martin Luther King Jr. holiday, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, listeners. Uh, I think one thing that works well as an intro for this show on this MLK Day is, um, I mean, the man is... The man was incredible, and his legacy continues to inspire and change the world. But the quote uh, I found best fitting for this show and the way we wrap up the show every week is when he said, life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? And I think that rings as true today as it ever has. I think that's beautiful. I have one to add to the pile as well. This is a one uh, quote from MLK that I love. He says, returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So let's uh, let's add a little love to the world today, shall we, Christian? Yeah, that was a great quote. I couldn't tell if that was like going to ask me what time a train left a station going one direction and what time, <laughs> like was that a math problem or not? But no, yes. Yeah. Uh, happy Martin Luther King Day, everybody, and let's uh, make the world a better place. Yeah, we have a, uh, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for this episode. Uh, we have a very big thing to talk about, Christian. In fact, uh, I think... Um, I think most of this episode is going to be talking about the Switch. And, oh, uh, oh, nice! These are digested takes too, not even hot takes anymore. <laughs> yeah, we we had our uh, we had our hot takes about the Switch, and uh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and now we're gonna we're gonna d- delve very deep into the Switch, and uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have so much fun with that. Uh, and we're gonna have lots of fun this episode talking about the talking about the switch, and uh, we got a great we got a great guest to do it with. Uh, you know the DLC is always your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but this week we are so excited because once again DLC stands for Director Who Loves Cats because we have Senior Associate Art Director and Video Games Writer at Entertainment Weekly and self-professed cat lover, friend of the show, Mr. Aaron Morales is back with us. Hey, Aaron. Hey, hey. How are you guys doing? Doing great. We're excited to have you uh, to to talk about the uh, the big Nintendo announcement this week. You were at the uh, New York event where you got hands on with the Switch. Wait, New York or New Donk? I forget. Aaron, where do you live? <laughs> New Donk City, all the way. <laughs> Born and bred. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about your your actual hands on with all the games uh, that they showed in the playlist section. But um, let's uh, let's start the show the way we always do, with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. 
story of the week is usually where we all come with uh, the story that we think is the story of the week. But let's be honest, guys. There's only one story this week, and uh, it's the Switch. Um, so, <laughs> that's not going to get annoying, right, guys? It didn't get annoying in the press conference, that's for sure. It started out, I was like, that is the coolest little thing that they added. Uh, and then by the end of the hour-long thing, I was like, really? Every time? You're going to do it every time? <laughs> so, I'm going to recreate that now for our audience so that they, by the end of this show, say, every time, Jeff, really? Every time? And I'm going to be like, yeah, yeah, every time. Um, Let's get into it, because this is really the only only story to talk about this week. Uh, Aaron, let's start with a general sort of overview of your take on what they showed, and then we'll, we'll d- deep dive into each of the sort of specific points about, you know, all the details. But overall, what was your takeaway uh, for the, the Nintendo Switch launch? Yeah, let's, uh, let's detail a little bit. So it's March 3rd, and it's two ninety nine. There's 32 gigs of storage, and uh, let's see, what's the screen? 6.2-inch uh, mm-hmm. multi-touch, which, you know, we've been waiting for to confirm. So there's all that stuff. Um, what is my take? Uh, I, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Um, I think that 300 is not an insane amount of money, even though, granted, you can buy a PS4 and Xbox One right now for uh, 250 basically anywhere you look. With right. a game bundle. Often with, with a bundle. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I think that, like, I don't think the Switch could have come out at that cheap because then where does it go from there? Um, I think it kind of had to. And and look, they're going to sell out these, like, 2 million units on March 3rd no matter what no matter what their price was. So I think, like, starting at 300 is reasonable and it gives them somewhere to go down to eventually. But that's just kind of my... My question with that, though, is, sorry, Jeff, that the Wii U never went down to anything. They bundled games, but that thing was still sitting at whatever it was, 250 forever until eventually they pulled it off shelves yeah Yeah, whatever it is and then they pulled it from shelves because they were like uh we're just we're we're re-releasing this console (laughs) we're doing a remaster of it let's get the old one off the shelves (laughs) i mean i think you make a good point aaron though i I, you know i tweeted this during the the show that if it had launched at 250 it would have been like trample people in walmarts to get them type you know launch they're gonna as you said they're gonna sell out every one they can possibly make for march 3rd on March 3rd at 299. So I, I think having, as you point out, having a, a little buffer there of a place to go in a year is good business. It's not, you know, it's not what I would want as a consumer. I'm, I would want it for the lowest price. And I do think that 250 would have been a much more um, exciting price point to come in at. It, it certainly seems to make more sense, as you said, when you compare it to the Xbox One and the PS4. But they're not going to have any problems, you know, making these completely scarce in in the spring. So, I, I you can't kind of fault them there. There's a lot of other things I can fault them for, <laughs> but I don't, I don't think the price point is, um, you know, is one of those things that is too out of the norm or too unexpected. Right, it and kind the, of falls. And the 3ds XL uh, still costs 200 bucks, right? So, I mean, it's it, when you look at it next to their other. Uh, portable, it doesn't seem that unreasonable that this brand new system that is considerably more powerful costs an extra hundred. Yeah. And while we're on pricing, the thing that is, I think, objectionable, as the chat is exploding about right now, is uh, all of the peripheral pricing, which we saw rolled out after the event in the on their website. They didn't mention any of it, you know, during their press conference or their Nintendo Direct, I should say. But it, it's kind of outrageous that the dock itself, which looks to be not 
much more than a port and a stand is going to be $90. Uh, if you want Joy-Con controllers, the two as a pair, a new pair of Joy-Con controllers is $80. A single Joy-Con controller is $50. This all sounds pretty high for, it seems like, what you get. Uh, I'm going to push back a little bit on that. I agree that it's higher than I would like to spend, but I also I feel like everyone's gut reaction that this stuff is ridiculously priced kind of fails to look at everything else that is also ridiculously priced. I mean, if we look back at um, any Apple cable, right, like the MacBook, the current MacBook, and I know Apple is, you know, it's the expensive example. You're comparing a Lamborghini to a Bugatti. Of course, (laughs) these are expensive, but like you know, if you want to get any of the dongles to connect any of your stuff to the new MacBook Pros, those things are like 50, 60 bucks. And that's just a hub, not even a molded piece of plastic that sits next to your TV. Um, uh, yeah, you know how hard it is to mold plastic? Well, I'm just saying, I'm not I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying things are expensive. Uh, an Xbox 360 or an Xbox One controller, PS4 controllers, those are what, 60 bucks typically? I know they've gone on sale. Um, and so to have... The the technology, if this HD rumble is real or whatever it is, um, fit in those small Joy-Con controllers. Making smaller electronics is oftentimes more expensive than making bigger ones. To have one be fifty bucks isn't that outrageous, and the fact that they're giving you two for less than a hundred, you know, shows at least they're considering some value and not just maybe they should sell each for forty. But like I, I kind of understand it because it seems expensive when you like sticker shock. But like, look at everything else. You know, I bought uh, a sense, another sensor for um, my Oculus setup, and that was like eighty bucks. And that's just like an infrared sensor. You know, right. that's like you, everything's expensive. Everything's expensive, and it sucks. But I think I think Nintendo's getting you know drawn through the mud a little unfairly. Vita memory cards, ugh, kill me, <laughs> kill me. It's crazy. It's crazy. Well, you bring up Apple, and I think that speaks to one of my sort of the macro takes on this. And that is, I think many of us thought, or at least the dream of, of this concept of the, uh, of the concept of a, uh, hybrid console is that it's the home console, but you can take it with you. And I think, and maybe this was obvious, but I didn't really think about it this way, but I think the opposite is, is really what this is. And that is a tablet that you can plug in to your television easily. And I think you bringing up Apple makes me think that Apple really dropped the ball. They could have done this very easily, or even an Android competitor could have made this thing. Yes, it doesn't have the Nintendo name and software behind it, but there's no reason why we don't have a thing that easily plugs. You know, having, as you said, all the weird dongles to plug your... uh, yeah, iPad into your television or you know plug your iPhone into your television. There's no reason why this thing shouldn't already exist. Have a external controller and a plug-in for my iPad and iPhone that makes it really elegant and I think they they could have stolen this thunder years ago. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that. I mean, I think they've tried to go other routes with like Apple TV or Chromecast and wireless display and stuff like that and I think you know, the the demand maybe for sharing that stuff onto a bigger screen isn't necessarily there in the same way. But I wholeheartedly agree with you that I think Nintendo is – the message for this console I think would be so much stronger if this was pitched as the replacement for the 3DS and that it is this 
I mean, then the message is instead of this is a woefully or potentially woefully underpowered home console, the message is this is the most powerful handheld ever made. Here it is running Zelda Breath of the Wild. You can take it with you with a battery life that's the same as the 3DS is at launch, which isn't great, but that's like kind of how you pitch it. And then I think people are pretty excited about this thing. Oh, and what's that? You can plug it into your TV at home and you'll get a dope resolution bump. This thing starts pumping out at, you know, 1080p. I know Zelda's 900p, but like, you know, you get a resolution bump uh, and you get to play these games on your gorgeous HD TV at home. And of course, you get all the portability and the amazing games you love from Nintendo. Boom. Now you've sold me on the thing. And instead, I don't know. Well, truth be told, you and I both need to uh, cop to something. During the hot takes we did, which was the uh, on my Patreon feed episode, thank you for doing that. We both were like, uh, I was like, I'm going to get one. And you were like, uh, I don't know. We both got one. We both got one two minutes after we were done recording that. <laughs> we, there was no period of contemplation. There was we, we logged off. Somebody tweeted me and said, hey, Jeff, the, the pre-orders are up. And then I pre-ordered one and said, hey, Christian, I just pre-ordered one. And you said, I just pre-ordered two. Yeah, so, I, first I said, dang it, I'm editing this episode. Hold on. <laughs> but that, that, just, that just means we're weak. I, Jeff Green, friend of the show Jeff Green, uh, tweeted out a great thing that I totally think sums it up. He said, every piece of information I heard about the Switch made me think, made me less excited for it and, and feel like I needed it less. And then I immediately pre-ordered it. <laughs> so, you know, Aaron, what was your... Uh, impression of the rollout because uh, were you were you watching it like we were online or were you at an event no i, I watched it online at, at home as well so it it was the most nintendo like nintendo-y nintendo thing nintendo ever nintendo did it was so <laughs> bizarre and just so like it, it was kind of like classic that uh we launch feel where you're just mm-hmm. like this is really really weird and very very japanese um, yes, I, and I think they they found themselves in this extraordinary moment of opportunity and did not realize it. I think – and maybe that's fine. Uh, I, I think that maybe we, especially the American and Nintendo enthusiasts, impose something on Nintendo that they don't really – they aren't really interested in. And that is recapturing the glory of the Super Nintendo where the Super Nintendo was – the universal console where you could own just a Super Nintendo console and not have to own any other console and you can play all the best stuff. I don't think Nintendo is interested in that anymore. They're not trying to compete with Xbox and PlayStation. They're not trying to be the one console solution. They're just doing their thing and finding their audience and feeding that audience and making quirky different kinds of experiences that they're interested in. I don't I don't know because every time in the GameCube I think was the last time they tried to compete, you know, one-on-one graphical fidelity and stuff like that with Sony and Microsoft. But I don't know if they're totally just like hey, we're going to do our own thing, march to our own beat because every console since then and and the Wii was a huge success for them, but even that one, they walk out there and they tout the how they understand the importance of third-party support and getting all of these other games and and they've done it with the Wii, they did it with the Wii U and they've done it again with the Switch. And I think if they were confident on being their own thing, I think they would phrase that differently because it's like not like, hey, we have other partners working on games for the Switch. They always tried to trot out games that are on other consoles. For the Wii U, it was Call of Duty, Mass Effect 3, Batman. For this, it was EA showing FIFA and other games that exist on these other consoles where it's like, hey, you can play those games here too. And I think 
maybe it's just they think that's important to message out to the public. Sorry if you can hear someone's like just started a chainsaw outside. Um, <laughs> um, they're coming for me. It's Nintendo. Um, I don't know if they think that's just important for messaging for them or if they really believe it. But I think that somewhere in that line, they're trying to say, hey, this isn't just going to be two to three great Nintendo games a year. We, we have this other stuff coming too. believe us this time and we're like no <laughs> we don't <laughs> yeah and I, I don't think that they're fooling anyone i don't even think they believe it this time i feel like the messaging seems very much like lip service um them saying oh you know we have over 80 games in development by third parties but you know and they're you know we have ubisoft we have activision it's like well you have just dance and you have um steep like right. we're probably not going to get the those uh big third parties blockbuster titles. And I don't think they're even trying to pretend that that's the case this time. Yeah, I kind of agree. I I think that anybody going into this expecting anything other than what they've done the last few times, which is put out awesome games once or twice a year on their, on their system from their first party. And those games are fantastic. And that's what you are buying when you buy that system, that you're buying access to those games. I don't, I don't understand why people are saying, oh, this is going to be the last Nintendo hardware ever released. I don't see that the case. I think they're doing, they know exactly what they're doing. They're, they're buying, uh, or not buying, they're, they're investing in their own uh, infrastructure again. And you know what? Looking at the, that adorable Bowser parental controls video that they put out, I hope, hopefully you guys both saw that. I don't want a, a, a world where there's not Nintendo hardware because Nintendo's the only people that are kind of doing it that way. You know, like they really do want to be the Disney of video games. And God bless them. You know, they, they do that really, really well. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to have a console that parents can put into the hands of kids and feel completely comfortable with 100% of the time because Ubisoft is only putting out Just Dance on that, you know? I think that's not necessarily a bad thing. When was the last time you played your Wii U or 3DS? And when was the last time you looked at Nintendo financials after the release of the Wii U? Well, you know, I play those when Nintendo releases a a game. And you're saying that those Pokemon? Did you play Pokemon? The last huge no, Nintendo game? No, but everybody is. Everybody, everybody <laughs> but me is. With the last three episodes we've had on, the, the, the guests are all like, oh, I've been playing it constantly. You're playing it constantly. I'm the only one not playing Pokemon. But I played... Um, um, Paper Mario, uh, whatever the subtitle was of that Paper Mario, and it was awesome on Wii U. I really liked it. Um, I had to, you know, re-plug in my Wii U to play it because it wasn't <laughs> I mean, I, I hate to be, like, the one calling you out. Like, I feel like I like Nintendo more than you, but I feel like on these shows, you put on this, like, very positive, like, this is such a great thing, it's such a great thing, it's going to keep doing their thing, it's such a wonderful world we live in. But, like, when the games come out, you play it for a couple hours and then move on to something else and then their financials since Not the when Wii they're U. great i i, I played the great ones it. for a long time i played the great ones and you know i didn't get into splatoon a lot of people love that game a lot of people still play that game um but i you know i play the games that i love to play on their consoles i just don't think but you I don't think the world would be better if those games were available on on other consoles like really I think it would be much more convenient and less expensive, and, and in that sense, better. I think not having to spend $300 to play a Nintendo game for, for everyone is a good thing. But I also think that if you're a parent and you want to have a safe console for your kids, that's not a bad, that's not necessarily a bad thing. And uh, 
And they do it really well. They do it better than anybody else does. I mean, but that's not maybe. I mean, the Wii U had Call of Duty. It had other M-rated games. It had games that you wouldn't be just okay with your kids playing. The GameCube had Resident Evil, had Remake, one of the best versions of Resident Evil ever. It's where Resident Evil 4 launched. Right. Uh, to where Eternal Darkness, uh, you know, came out on. These aren't... And Those are the exceptions, though. And, and they didn't... That... that that trend didn't sustain past launch on those titles, right? On those uh, consoles. Bayonetta 2 was Wii U. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles isn't something that I necessarily want a kid playing. Um, well, maybe I'd be okay with it because they're following the story. But, like, they're not that. I think the games they make are that. But them as a console, they're not just releasing these. You, any, game, any, Nintendo, any game on a Nintendo game is a game that you're okay for your kids to be playing. I mean, there's stuff on the no. 3DS, on the on the. DS, I almost called it the 2DS, that's this 3DS, but without 3D. I mean, I, I, I like that Nintendo does their own thing, but I think we're all lying to ourselves if we say, aside from the fact that I don't know if they'd be able to sustain their business model just as a software company, because I think at some point they'd be like, what are we even doing? The IP is more valuable to be sold to someone that's better able to manage it. But otherwise, I think we're all kind of crazy to sit here and pretend that it's a better world when Nintendo is making hardware instead of just making the best games that we can play on every system possible. Aaron, so why, why did you buy it? Because I love Nintendo games and I host a fairly popular video game podcast. Okay. So, well, I mean, I'm not really. Would I rather have not bought it and just be playing it on my PC, these games? Yeah, of course. Of course. Sorry. Go ahead, Aaron. So I was going to say, I'm not really worried about the kids because I don't have kids. Sorry, guys. But (laughs) what about your cats, though? Hmm? What console are they going to play, Aaron? I do have a newborn. So, yeah. Um, Think but of the for cats. Me, for me, though, I mean, but if, if Nintendo start, start, uh, stops making hardware, we're going to miss out on the weird hardware things that they create, which no one else does. Like, you're not going to get – like, I'm sorry. I loved Splatoon, and I hated the motion control when I first played it. And then shortly after, you realize that's the only way to play it. And you simply – you couldn't really do that on – if you were playing on Xbox. There's nothing that you could do to just hold up your controller – and and aim that way right. and they, they do weird things they're doing these weird things with the joy con that yeah no one will use but they someone will use it and make like a warrior wear and that will be kind of worth that experiment i think and they keep I, for me what struck me about the joy cons is that they seem like they're such an evolution of what the wiimote was doing only it's the technology is so much better 10 years later well that's what's so baffling to me about this press conference it doesn't seem like they understood the central theme of the device that they were promoting. Like <laughs> it's a, it's a concept that sells itself. It's a concept that everybody has wanted for a long time. A you're done playing your home console. You have to leave, pick it up and take it with you. And now it's a portable console. That's a magical concept. It sells itself and nothing about their messaging from that Nintendo direct doubled down on that idea Everything they showed was some other thing, was some other weird concept that didn't have anything to do with the, the, the central notion of play it at home, pick it up, and continue playing it on the go. Now, maybe they had already made that clear. Maybe they felt like they didn't need to reinforce that concept, but that's what the console is built around. And none of the software felt like that was the coolest thing about it. It was all this other weird stuff of like, hey – we we made a console where you can play it on a big screen and it has a small screen and the game we're talking about you don't use any screen <laughs> is that nuts that's nuts 
Well, I think that the, what this presentation was and, and what I think is fascinating because that's what the Switch is this. Nintendo is showing, as Aaron mentioned, you know, they pioneer a lot of different tech in consoles over the years or in gaming. And the Switch really is the the combined effort of all of those things. And I don't know if that makes it amazing or I've used this analogy, I think, a few times on this show, or if that makes it the Homer Simpson car where it's like in a bubble here and a car and thing because it's like – it, it it you know they, it has the analog stick which everything has but like Nintendo, uh, it has the screen of the Wii U. Uh, it's, well, it's portable. It's a better screen than the Wii U, just the same size. Right, right, right. No, I'm saying, but like, yeah, correct. It's, it's better. All the stuff is better. It's like a better version of Rumble, which they helped pioneer. It's a better version of of Wii controls, and they and they're like, now we have all this awesome stuff that we've done over the history of of our, our company, and now let's put it all together in one console. And then how are we going to message that? Well, crap. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you bring up that screen. Uh, it, it's a 720p screen, which is great. Better resolution than the, than the Wii Pad. Uh, and it's capacitive multi-touch, which is like our phones, which the Wii Pad did not have. And yet, have you seen anything at any point in any of the videos that they've shown of anyone touching the screen? No. I, I don't think they've ever shown anyone touching the screen. Aaron, fact, did you touch the screen? I, I actually did not touch the screen. I don't know why. <laughs> there was there was nothing to do, and I didn't touch it. I didn't even think about it. It's that kind of crazy that makes Nintendo both frustrating and exciting. It's they are wholly unpredictable all the time. You, to think, you know, you have this moment where everybody is tuned in, excited to see what what you're going to announce, and you kick things off in the most bizarre fashion ever, showing, you know, 1-2 Switch and showing uh, uh, arms. And, like, the games that you kick things off with are just so out of left field. You know, and we always have to say, yeah, but Zelda. You know, yeah, but Zelda, as the mic drop at the end, is, you know, that fixes everything in 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 a large sense. But... The messaging is so bizarre, and it kind of is what's exciting about Nintendo, right? Is you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, I don't. I mean, <laughs> you sound so defeated. You sound so defeated. You're I just, buying I, one, but you don't like it. No, I think I think this might be the perfect console for me in the sense that you know I travel more than the average person, and I can play Zelda anywhere I go. And then when I get home, I can play it on my big TV and have it look a little better. And I can take it with me. Um, I, and I, I love my Vita. I love my 3DS. Like, I like portable systems. And I know I will get my value out of this system. I just, I'm frustrated because it's like all this stuff that people are hyped about or talked about beforehand. Like, this is, you know, the combination of their handheld and home console business. And so we won't have this drought of games um, we're going to be seeing more games because they won't be making one for the other. And Nintendo's like, hold on. <laughs> this isn't our handheld. We still have that separate business. And you're like, why are you hurting the thing I'm excited about? And then they're like, also, this game's coming out. The system's coming out March 3rd, day and date with Zelda, which is also coming out the same day on the Wii U. And also these four other games. And you're like, why is this coming out on March 3rd? Because you have nothing else, you need something in your first quarter for your financials, and also one two switch is going to be sixty dollars or whatever it is. Like that's the outcry. It's like what or uh, Bomberman R? I think it's sixty dollars. Like what? I, so I I am so excited, but I, it's just like 
this is Nintendo, right? They come in, that you go to their house, it smells delicious, it's like apple pie or cookies or whatever you love on the windowsill, and you walk in and you're hoping for a big hug, and they have their arms outstretched, and then they arms, arms. punch you from five <laughs> feet away. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Zelda. Yeah, but Zelda. But uh, Wii U. You said yourself on our hot takes that you were going to play it on the Wii U. You I was, and then, and then here's, here's the thing that won me over is um, – I have a kid and playing on a on a little screen in my lap is going to be much more convenient than playing on a big screen. Also, I had a fantasy because uh, I just moved into a house and I have a backyard actually with, with some grass. And I have a fantasy about lying on the grass in my backyard playing Zelda on a handheld. That's a, a lovely image. Unfortunately, I will not be able to play it very long. Um, everybody in the chat is freaking out about the, uh, the battery life. Are, are you concerned about the battery life, Aaron? No, not really, because I mean, realistically, I'm going if I'm playing this not at home, in which case, you know, you have access to a charger, it'll be on the train to work, which, you know, is like a 45 minute train for me each way. Mm-hmm. So it'll get me there and back. But you know, <laughs> if, I, if, if I were, you know, let's say, though, if you're a kid and you're on a, a road trip with your parents in a terrible station wagon, I'm just having bad flashbacks, um, you know, you're not going to get very far without having something to um, plug it into. But yeah. those don't exist anymore. My brother-in-law got the new – this is in no way an ad for it. I just was so blown away by it. The new Chrysler minivan, the Pacifica, which they're calling it now, which used to be their crossover. And in the back of this thing, they didn't even get the top of the tier but like a, a very well-outfitted uh, one. In the back of this thing, it has screens, like good-sized screens, USB uh, plugs, HDMI plugs, and regular home, whatever they're called, power plugs. Like you're not – Bring in your switch on that. You're plugging in your Xbox. Like I was blown <laughs> away. Do you, do you know how many double A batteries I had to carry for my Game Boy when I was a kid? <laughs> oh, I know, right? This is not fair. <laughs> uh, the other thing, you know, the battery life is is shorter than one would hope for. Although, you know, I Christian, you kept pointing out that there are numerous chargers for these types of devices and the fact that they didn't use any kind of proprietary plug is yeah. definitely great where there's a will there's a way jeff you will be fighting at starbucks and or the airport to play <laughs> i'm sorry for doing work joe businessman i'm about to lose my battery in zelda yeah. <laughs> the other baffling thing is 32 gigs of internal storage now again you can expand that with sd cards which is a lovely thing and the same it was the same with the wii u wii u had a 32 gig internal storage and could be expandable with SD cards or hard drive too. You could plug in an external. Yeah. And there's no, this does have a USB C port as the charging port. So that, but there's no indication as to whether or not you'll be able to plug in a hard drive to that yet. Um, that would be great. I, I think it's just going to be, I think they said, and I need to Google, but then you'd hear my keyboard clicking, clicking. I think they said it's two terabytes of, uh, SD, but they don't make yeah, two right. terabyte SD cards yet. They only the, cost like two hundred dollars. <laughs> they don't exist. Like the the SD cards that they use don't exist in one terabyte or two, two terabyte sizes yet. So well, expletive me. <laughs> <laughs> Five twelve gigs is what you can get right now. Um, I guess it's good. Only three games come out a year. <laughs> but did you hear cool. that Zelda is thirteen point five gigs? So huh. you've got half of your storage gone. For Zelda. So the people that are saying this is a Zelda machine, they're literally correct that you will be able to play Zelda and maybe one other thing on your if, – if you download it. Obviously, if you get the cartridge, then you're, you're fine. But whoa. Yeah, well, that's just interesting too is that these – sorry, Aaron. These carts aren't big. Like, I'm, you know, like you look at Call of Duty or how big some of these game downloads are on other systems and it's like – 
holy crap, that's a huge game file. And these carts are limited to whatever size they are. It's interesting that, that you know, you're not seeing those huge, huge, huge file sizes. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say this. I, I stopped buying physical media years ago, but I think with Switch, I'll be buying the game discs because I just don't see the point in trying to juggle like delete and download, delete and download constantly like I do with my Vita, which is like one of the reasons I almost never want to use my Vita. <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre that, that the more convenient choice has become less convenient. Um, I, I I don't know. I And it doesn't... Maybe the thing we've been saying with phones, you know, where Apple's like the 32 gig version and then $100 more for the 64 gig version is like, really? Is... is Hard drive space really that expensive because it doesn't seem like it is. Maybe that is what it is because Nintendo also is trying to keep costs down by doing this. So maybe it's harder to do that. It just seems not the case <laughs> to me. Maybe flash memory is. I mean, because, you know, Sony and Microsoft with their consoles, they still have, I guess, the 360 Pro or God, why do I keep saying 360 today? Uh, the Xbox One Pro had like a hybrid drive, I think, or whatever they called that the version of it they put out. But I mean, they're still, you know traditional hard drives and so all these other devices that are using flash memory could you imagine if the switch was uh had like a traditional hard drive in it it's like (laughs) (laughs) it's like a mechanical hard drive you can't put it in your lap because it burns it off (laughs) uh we have a lot more to discuss uh with with this reveal we want to i'm going to talk in depth about the games uh in the playlist segment we'll talk aaron actually had hands-on with the games so uh that's gonna be great but first we need to switch to talking about our sponsor. We have a new sponsor this week. It's a sponsor I'm really excited about because this is, I use this, uh, Speed Test. I just moved into a new house uh, and that meant that I got new internet for my house. I had to sign up for a new ISP and figure out what I was going to get. What did I use to make sure that my ISP was actually delivering the speeds I was paying for? Me counting one Mississippi? Why did you reload it a page? No, they actually have a better way to do that, Christian, <laughs> and it's called Speed Test. You've probably heard of SpeedTest.net. Well, Speed Test has now released an app. Uh, this is Speed Test by Ookla. And uh, anybody who is savvy at all on the internet uses speedtest.net in their browser. But now they have an app that makes it even easier to do it. So you just click a button uh, on the app and you can do a quick speed test. And if you're a gamer, you want to make sure you have low ping. You want to make sure you have high uh, download and upload speeds. You want to find out how ways you can maximize your download and upload speeds. You need to have a speed test. Their app is available for both Mac and PC. You can check your connection at a touch of a button on your desktop without having to fire up your browser and go to a website. And these apps are really, really actually very elegant. It's just a big button. You click it. It makes the speed test. It goes really quick. And they're free. There's no cost to you to use it. Uh, These are high technology. They're using the, the absolute best way to check your speed against local servers, track your results over time, and view unbiased results in 17 languages. So, you know, if you're listening to this and don't understand anything we're saying because you speak a different (laughs) language, they got you covered. Uh, You can use it anywhere on the internet uh, with a Google Chrome extension on your phone and now on your desktop. There are over 9 billion, with a B, speed tests and counting. Uh, Don't let a slow internet connection cost you the win in your game before you queue up for your next break match, download Speed Test for Mac or Windows. What we want you to do is go to speedtest.net slash DLC. Now, 
Usually I say these things, and uh, I hope that you guys take advantage of this. This is literally something every single person here can do right now. It's absolutely free. There is no catch. What I'm hoping is that every single person who's listening to this, I don't know if you guys know this, but when there's a slash DLC at the end of these type of things, it means they're tracking how many people are doing it. So show them the power of our audience. This is something you probably want to know about your connection. It's super easy. All you got to do is go to speedtest.net slash DLC, grab the app, run a speed test. It's completely free. And it shows them that you are listening to our show. It, it is a really positive thing for us, and it costs you nothing, just a few seconds of your time. And what you get out of it is really reliable, good data from a trusted source. Uh, this, is, this is the industry standard, speed test by Ookla. So Christian, you and I both downloaded the app. I wanted to uh, compare, lay it out on here on the table. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm rocking 355 megabits per second download, 23.35 upload. What do you got? What do you got? Did, did you did you win the lottery? No, dude. Uh, Time Warner at my new place offers a uh, three hundred megabits per per second down uh, only. So I canceled my cable, but I kept my internet, and so I'm getting three fifty five, baby. What do you got? That's incredible. I'm at ninety five up, uh, thirteen down. That's not too shabby. I'm oh, sorry, the other way around. Other way around. Ninety five down, right. thirteen up. Sorry, yeah. Not yeah. too shabby. Not too. It's shabby. all right, but it's not three fifty. See, that's what you can do. You can belittle your friends with your sweet, with your sweet statistics using speed. I'm sorry, what? Hello? Yeah, that's what I do. Hello? Speedtest.net. My, my connection seems to be not as good as yours, Jeff. Yeah, I know. You can tell. The sweet sound of my voice is so much silkier. Speedtest.net slash DLC. Just do it. Just check it out. You want to know that data. You want it. It's uh, easy to recommend. All right, guys. Let us switch back to talking about the game lineup the launch lineup is the next bit of controversy excitement curiosity um okay can i drop something real quick drop it like it's hot the chat is saying that uh this is cheesy bob saying that it needs to be speedtest.net slash lowercase dlc oh that's very important i have not confirmed it but i trust cheesy bob he has not led me astray no cheesy bob's good people uh lowercase dlc Okay, fair enough. Um, fair enough. Someday we hope to be uppercase DLC, but for now, good to know. <laughs> uh, all right, launch lineup. So, uh, one, two, switch. Super Bomberman R. Skylanders Imaginators. Just Dance 2017. Yeah, but Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then... March, later in March, not March 3rd, uh, Snipper Clippers, Fast RMX, Has Been Heroes. Then, April 28th, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which is a, uh update of the Wii U version of Mario Kart with, some, with a new great mode. Game. And Mario Kart 8's a great game. Yep. Uh, then, spring, at some unspecified spring date, ARMS, Disgaea, is that how you pronounce that? Disgaea? Yeah, Disgaea, uh, I think, Disgaea. Five Complete, Puya Puya Tetris, Rhyme. And then sometime in the summer, Splatoon 2. Sometime in the fall, Skyrim. And Holiday, Mario, uh, Super Mario Odyssey, which we saw more of in the official name reveal. And then some strange, vague 2017 games, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, 
Ultra Street Fighter 2, The Final Challenge, what Minecraft, uh, FIFA, Sonic Mania, I Am Setsuna, Steep, Siberia 3. What the heck, man? NBA 2K and Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2. They're so old. How is Skyrim, Aaron, how is Skyrim coming out like 10 years later? What is happening? Wasn't that just re-released on Xbox and PS4 in the fall? Is that? Yeah, yes. it's, this is okay. not that version, yeah. though. That was a, a remaster with Wait, better what? graphics. Is this, this is not the PS3 that. version? Yeah. Oh, yeah, this seriously? is the original version. What so. the? <laughs> Did, God, uh, is this a clean show still? How? Yeah, but Zelda. Yeah, but Zelda. But I have a Wii U. Jeff, I want to no. own this system, but... You do. I, You're, you pre-ordered it twice. Todd Todd Johnson at Nintendo. <laughs> He's fired. He got fired already. What the heck? How how is a Street Fighter 2 port sometime in 2017? Wait, so uh which Street Fighter are we on with the other consoles? Well, on Sony five. we're on five. On five, yeah, five. Xbox we're on four. So uh, on uh... Nintendo we're on two. <laughs> <laughs> how, how? How is Mario Kart 8 a great game? That's going to get a couple of uh, uh, finally a good battle mode. How, like what? Yeah. Um, the chat is feeling your pain. Uh, Stephen A. Rivers said, and Skyrim is $60. Uh, whereas, you you know, uh, Arrow Dash 84 is pointing out that you could have bought Skyrim on the Humble Bundle for 20 bucks. If I wasn't surrounded by VR headsets and motion trackers right now, I would, I would be I'm throwing stuff off my, I like. Very expensive stuff around you. It is very expensive. <laughs> it's like almost as much as a Switch dock. Like, I have a lot of money. Ah! So, Aaron, you, you played hands-on with games that are just like, maybe, yeah. maybe this comes out. I honestly don't know why you're so upset. Nintendo 64 only launched with two games. We had three more games. That's true. Three I'm more. punch you. Skylanders Imaginators. punch you. I'm going to arms punch you. Stay where will, you are. I, I can arms punch you. I can together to block um (laughs) you could block but you might notice that you don't need to so let's talk about them you know from the from a news perspective rather than from a hands-on perspective we'll get to that (laughs) let's talk about from a news perspective so that (laughs) i I know you bought one of these christian you bought one i will remind you yeah go ahead sorry i'm done i'll listen so um Let's talk about the Zelda trailer because it looks amazing. Does not it look amazing? It looks amazing. That one of the most beautiful video game trailers I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this has the potential to be like really blow like the whole Zelda formula wide open, and that to me is really exciting because I think it's got it's become really a lot too rigid, and I think they've kind of been experimenting with ways to change it up, but they've been stuck in that Ocarina of Time formula since you know, the N64 days right. and uh, just, just playing 20 minutes of this was enough to, to it, the beginning isn't horrible. You guys, like the beginning of a Zelda game was not horrible, <laughs> like, which is awesome. Never happens. Usually you're like, you know, sitting in Lon Lon Canyon or whatever and being like, go collect. Hey, these. listen, yeah, it, it's just, you know, just tedious and, and kind of talking down to you. And I, I feel like this one has the potential to be something like absolutely special. And let's talk about Mario. Uh, well, first, Christian, do you not think that that was one of the most beautiful video game trailers of all time? 
It was incredible. It was it was one of the best media trailers, I think. You know, I don't know about all time, but it was it was incredible. It was powerful. It was moving. I'm a little dismayed that um I'm not sure. Like that part of it showed like Zelda maybe being cool, and then part of it showed her as just a very traditional damsel in distress, which I was hopeful that this game would maybe do something different with the character. But it had voice acting, it was beautiful, it was scenic, it was huge, it was small. Uh there was like a, a mech robot something that was gonna crush you. Um it was voice absolutely acting. incredible. Voice acting in a Zelda. Crazy. It's crazy. Uh and awesome. I'm I, it just seems like a wonderful indication that they're not being precious about this franchise and they're willing to have it progress. And I think that's good. I think that's healthy. I think it's it's a sign of uh, uh, endurance of it's we're not just going to keep making the same old thing. And you really they never have, you know, they've definitely had a formula, but even I think especially the the DS and 3DS versions of Zelda have shown how willing to go outside the box they are with this with this character. Um, and speaking of outside the box, Mario Odyssey, guys, uh, I, for one, really enjoyed Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast. I still have it. Uh, I liked that game. I know it doesn't hasn't aged well, but um, did they just decide to make Sonic Adventure for uh, Mario? Uh, it's bizarre uh, looking at Mario running around in the real world. What do you think, Aaron? It's super bizarre, but if there's one thing I feel certain is that um, like a big mainline Mario is going to be extraordinary. And there were moments in that trailer where I was just like, it's just, you know, beaming, like my face was smiling. Just Was it when he was skipping rope? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was definitely one of them. I mean, they just, they just do such weird things. And I like when Mario gets weird, and this looks like he's getting real weird. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely real weird. Uh and I think, you know, an, a crazy open world GTA style Mario is kind of cool in a weird way. I, I mean, I just love the what they're doing with it. And then on top of that, it's I like, don't oh think yeah, that's what this is though. What do you think this is? I think if anything it's the open world is would be akin to something like Sunshine and then it's instance levels or explorable areas a la Galaxy and you're in New Donk for a little bit then you're in Flower World and then wherever else you are. <laughs> New Donk, dude. New Donk. They went they went there. It's uh, a good movie though. Have you seen uh New Donk City? Yeah. Or, yeah. I did. Um I also think it's pretty crazy that not only is the setting unprecedented but now they've all all of a sudden anthropomorphized his hat it's a character dude hat hat in super super and they didn't even touch brothers hat in mario kart hat to be a hat racing a, hat a amiibo. cart hat amiibo hat spinoff game mario hat is the new hot character hat is hot i think no. this game looks incredible and it, if it comes out in 2017 i could see it being a contender if not my favorite game of the year but i do think it's interesting that they're like and notice something on his hat we don't tell you what it does <laughs> bye somebody was like is mario's head in the hat's mouth or its butt <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know you say it may be the best game it might just because we know that mario games are traditionally excellent and that's just never not been the case. Well, maybe Sunshine, but if you saw this and it had any other mascot other than Mario, you would think it looked real not good, wouldn't you? Aaron? Um, I, I think I would be like, no, I, I don't know what that would be. Like, there, nothing else would do that kind of 
3D platforming. I mean, that's not really a genre anymore. Like, right. Knack doesn't quite cut it for me, and I don't know what else we have left. It does look a little knacky <laughs> when you come to think <laughs> about it. That is outrageous and offensive. <laughs> <laughs> no, it looks cool. I'm, I'm excited for Jeff that likes Knack, though. Okay. I that. do like Knack. I think Knack is good. Um, so let's talk a, less, a little bit of, uh, more about the launch lineup. Um, <laughs> oh, and we're done. What else is there to, oh, yeah. Zel- did we talk about Zelda already? Um, I think one, two switch is going to be a lot of fun. I am, I was, I think I heard it first on, I was listening to, um, uh, the waypoint, whatever that vices podcast is with Klepik. Um, and I think that's where Klepik was like, yeah, it's like 50 or 60 bucks. And I was like driving and I almost had to pull over and have a panic attack. I was like, how, what, how, so what? I'm not done uh, yet. How? <laughs> what? So okay. you had 32 launch games in North America. It also had a Just Dance. Uh, it had several games that had already been out, including Mass Effect, Batman, Assassin's Creed, Darksiders, Call, Call of, of Duty. Duty. Yeah. Uh, it had Zombie U, which was, I think, one of the standouts. So uh, underrated. Love that yeah. game. It was a very good game. Uh, and it really the still the only game that justifies that controller. <laughs> Absolutely, it's wild. What about Mario Kart? It's a giant horn. <laughs> but, yeah, otherwise you're left with a little horn, and that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> uh, Nintendo Land. They had um, which was a pack in. It was a pack in, or no, it was no available as a pack in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what else did they have? Tekken, <laughs> NBA. Uh, I mean, it wasn't. Super strong. Was, it, was Rayman a launch game on the Wii U? Uh, Rabbids Land oh. was, mm-hmm. but not Rayman. Um, yeah, I mean the Nintendo, or excuse me, the uh, PlayStation 4's launch lineup was not. I mean, they had Killzone, right? They had uh, a bunch of games that are sort of out for other things, but made to look slightly better on the new hardware. Uh, Battlefield 4, uh, Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Um, They had a Just Dance. Every console has to launch with a Just Dance. That's the rule. Here's my thing, though. Like, no console's launch library is ever great. Like, even if you expand it to launch window. But my problem and and my totally justified freakout as you were listing these announced games and their times coming out, it's not that, oh, my God, these games aren't out yet. What a horrible launch. It's like the, the games that are coming out in a year or a launch window are, are remasters. It's Mario Kart 8. It's Super Street Fighter 2 uh, HD edition. It's, you know, like Bomberman is a launch game. It's the, it, FIFA. That's not even FIFA 17, which rumors have gotten out that it's based on the 360 and PS3 build FIFA of 95. FIFA. <laughs> yeah. It's like and I hate – that's why I think – if you position this thing as a handheld, maybe it's easier to stomach some of that stuff. But like, I don't, I just well, don't get it, it, it man. Here's what became clear to me. I think in the ramp up for this, you know, you and I just did our uh, you know predictions episode, and a lot we've been talking about NX Nintendo NX for forever. It seems we over and over and over said, "Is Zelda going to be ready for the Nintendo Switch launch?" And we had it backwards because it <laughs> seems very clear to me that they knew when Zelda was going to drop and they rushed the console to meet that, that they had Zelda ready and that this console is not. 
that there's nothing else, but they felt like they had to get it out. I mean, the fact that stuff is coming, like games like Arms are coming in spring. Like, that, there's no reason why that game shouldn't have been a day one launch title, but it's not ready. And clearly, they pushed this this console out before they had a robust series of titles to push with it because of Zelda. Yeah, we have not even seen the uh, user interface for the system, and wow. it's six yeah. weeks away, and we don't know what their online plan is other than they're going to charge us for it at some point. Yeah, because it's not ready yet. It's like yeah. supposed to be ready around summertime when Splatoon comes out. Like, yeah, I, that's, I, I think that's a very smart insight, Jeff. It just – that kind of blows my mind too because it's like – the way uh, NVIDIA is releasing, you know, new graphics cards and uh, ARD, AMD, AMD, um, you know, like this, this, the new technology is coming out so quickly, like, would there be a Tegra 8 chip or whatever it is if they waited a year or something? Or do they need, they just need to get this thing out? It seems, it's, it seems so weird. It seems so weird. I think it's the Zelda effect. <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, it's crazy. All right. There's lots of other stuff to talk about here. In fact, one of one of the big things is that Switch is going to have a paid online service, the first time that Nintendo has ever done that, uh, which is a big deal. And you're going to get a free retro virtual console game uh, to play. Unfortunately, it's not going to work like the Microsoft and Sony offerings in 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 the you know similar vertical. You aren't going to get that game forever. You're only going to get it for the month that it's free. So you get that game for a while, and then you cease to be able to play it after that month, which is a little bizarre, to say the least. Guys? <laughs> yeah, not, not, not great. And also, we don't know what the virtual console plans are at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's just so much going into this launch where they haven't really answered kind of the basic the most basic of, of, of questions about their service. And it sounds like the the chat, the uh, voice chat for their online service is going to be done through an app. Which is paid. Which is weird. Um, it, it's it, – <laughs> there's – for a thing that was supposed to answer all the questions, it certainly raised a heck of a lot of questions. Uh, and yet I pre-ordered one. <laughs> <laughs> I pre-ordered two. <laughs> Aaron, did you pre-order one? We didn't even establish that. So I was at the Nintendo event on Friday, and I played Zelda and Splatoon, and then I went outside and pre-ordered one. So. <laughs> That's uh, a- hi, hypocrites calling hypocrites here. Are yeah. there any other hypocrites oh, no. on this show? Yeah. They really should have had a kiosk set up and be like, and you can pre-order here. <laughs> Amazing. If only there was a device you were holding that had a touch screen that could have worked as a kiosk. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's get to that those hands-on impressions. Uh, but first, I do want to thank... Uh, our, uh, another of our sponsors, Fireside. Let me tell you a little bit about Fireside. If you're interested at all in doing a podcast of your own, maybe you're already doing some podcasts or you, you know, harbor a, a secret fantasy to be a podcaster. Fireside is really a great solution for you. It's a hosting and analytics platform created by podcasters for podcasters. These are the people behind this very network. Dan Benjamin, the founder of Five by Five is the founder of Fireside. And he took everything he learned from doing lots of podcasts since 2009 
and turn it into a platform for podcasters everywhere, regardless of your level of expertise. So whether you're a beginner or you've already got a whole channel full of multiple shows, Fireside works for you. And it has it all. Unlimited uploads, unlimited downloads, massive amounts of real-time data and analytics about your unique downloads, a super-fast CDN for the best download speeds, multiple podcast support for free, one-click podcast importing from Libsyn, FeedPress, Simplecast, and SoundCloud, custom domain mapping, a beautiful, responsive website with your own artwork, host, and guest pages, and tons of advanced features like sponsorship integration, chapter markers, a bookmarklet for links, auto-posting of future episodes, time code linking, and so much more. And you can try Fireside for free for seven days, during which time you can import your existing podcast for free while taking advantage of every feature that Fireside has to offer. The unlimited plan starts at only $19 a month, and there's no commitment or long-term agreement to worry about. Check out fireside.fm slash DLC. You can take a tour if you're curious. This is a a really cool service. Use our code DLC and you'll get 20% off the standard plan for your first three months. Fireside.fm slash DLC. I believe that DLC is capitalized. So just got (laughs) to keep you on your toes. Uh, Fireside by podcasters for podcasters. We are delighted to have Aaron Morales here because as a representative of Entertainment Weekly, he was present at the Nintendo Switch event in New York City. And uh, you got hands-on with uh, everything, right? Not Mario. Yeah, about uh, – it was about a half – they had about a dozen games, and I think I played about half of them. There were some things that I wasn't particularly interested in, like Just Dance. I wasn't going to Just Dance there. But, uh, you know, I didn't get uh, my hands on everything. But I did get – the first thing I played was Zelda because I happened to be in the right place at the right time. So (laughs) that was a beeline for that one. So obviously Zelda made a great impression on you. You already mentioned that. Is there anything specific about that experience? I, you know, Christian and I both got to play Zelda at E3 last year, but not on the Switch. So right. what is, how does it feel in your hand? How does that screen look? T- tell us about that. Sure. Well, I, I played it two ways. The, I started out using the grip controller and playing on a TV because they wanted you to get the experience of both, uh, both modes. Mm-hmm. And the grip controller looks like a dog and it's very square, but it is very comfortable. And I, I was really surprised by how good it felt. Um, I kind of went in thinking, ah, oh, Krish, I'm going to have to buy a pro controller just to play Zelda, you know? And I don't feel that way at all now. Like it feels totally up to the task of oh, playing good. That's games. good to hear. Um, even though it looks, you know, it, it's strange looking, but it totally felt comfortable to me. Triggers felt good. Analog sticks felt good. I mean, the analog sticks are the Joy-Con sticks, so it, it's a good thing they feel good. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, I played it for, about that for about 10 minutes, and then the uh, attendant helped me um, switch over. Oh, hang on. Hang you got uh, I wasn't ready. Do, do, do it again. And the attendant helped me to switch over. And, uh, you know, clicked on the, the, the Joy-Cons and it's, it's gorgeous. I mean, it looks stunning on that screen. It's kind of like the, the way the Vita, the original Vita looks, but bigger, you know, and the graphics are, I mean, Zelda's infinitely more sophisticated, I think, than the top Vita game that came out three years ago. Do you, you know, we saw, um, we saw on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, them, uh, switch 
the screens and it happened really quickly. Is that your experience as yeah. well? Yeah. It's like three seconds, maybe something like that. Uh, it's cool. yeah. You just pick it up and then next thing you know, it's not on your TV anymore. Um, and I was talking to, um, my co-host on the Slush Filmcast, who was also at that event, uh, Davinja Hardwar, he said he actually thinks that the game looks better on the small screen than it does on the big screen. Right. I mean, I think that's that's just part of that because the the screen the the resolution looks so nice at such a small size. You know, I think it does yeah. maybe look better. I still think I'd probably going to want to play it primarily um, on the TV just because I think it's more comfortable. You right. know. But it certainly is stunning looking. Um, uh, that said, I did notice in a couple moments of slowdown when I was playing. Oh, um, no, really? <laughs> and I, that makes me really worried for the Wii U version. Like, what is that one going to be like? And now, it, wasn't, you... it wasn't the kind of thing where it was like, you know, while I was fighting or anything. But it just happened a couple times, like when I was in the field and I swung the camera like low around some grass, you know, like you could see all the individual like highly stylized blades of grass it it, it chucked a little you know did you so, notice that when you had it on the big screen or the small screen or both i know i think i noticed it on the oh gosh i don't remember it, it, it was only on one of them that i noticed it interesting yeah. oh man that's great because you know as christian mentioned in the last segment uh the resolution changes right. when you plug it into the dock um supposedly i think that's just to increase battery life right um but I wonder if, you know, I wonder if yeah, that's that, that said, I it noticed it one time and it, there uh, were every other time. I mean, there was a moment when you walk out into this Vista, that's just stunning, you know, and yeah. the camera like pans back and you kind of get your first glimpse of what Hyrule looks like. And it's stunning and it didn't slow down then. And it was beautiful. So, so what about one, two switch? Uh, that looks to me, I mean, the, the sort of dismissive way to put it, it looks to me like a, a series of iPhone apps yeah. that were made into a game. Um, cause I know that there's an iPhone app where I have to push a button quicker than the guy standing across the room from me. I know that that exists already. Did, um, did you find it compelling? I, I mean, I didn't I, actually get to play that one. That was uh, the one that had the longest because the demo took a while cause they had to explain it to like two people at a time for right. quite a while. And they had to and put those I, funny hats on everybody. Right. And I, and I had to say like, can I just be honest? Like, I know it's not for me. Right. Like, I just don't feel, I don't think it is the Wii Sports. I just don't think it is at all. Those right. experiences are so bite-sized. They're going to be fun for like the first time you show it off. And I don't think you're ever going to want to play it again. It is strange that, that that's the game that they made rather than what you said, which seems to make much more sense as just making a, a WarioWare. You right. know, like that, that could have been WarioWare Switch. And I think everybody would be instantly more excited about it. Absolutely. Because you have that whole, I mean, it, it, it has some similar kind of graphic elements too, of just, you know, the, the bizarre stuff. Um, but yeah, it's slapping Wario on there would have, I think done wonder. I, I would have instantly been more excited, which makes me, you know, a terrible <laughs> hypocrite person, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so what else did you, the arms you got to try, right? I did. And arms is basically a weak, a Wii game that controls better. Um, it didn't do much for me, I have to say. Um, I, I, it's, it's one of those, you know, waggle games where you're. I, I felt like I was ten, like in the past ten years, and I was playing a Wii game that wasn't very deep. Um, I think it has a nice art style. It kind of looks like that kind of Splatoony art, uh, maybe a little even Overwatch kind of style to it. 
Um, but I think it's too simplistic to do much. And oddly, it's not motion only, but I don't really know how that would trans like translate to buttons. But oh, really? You you have an option of playing it with buttons? Yeah, yeah you can huh. you can play with buttons on that. Um, Interesting. But yeah, that one didn't. It really did nothing for me. I mean, I love I, I like fighting games, but I like like real fighting games. You know, like <laughs> Street Fighter Two, like Ultra Street Fighter Two, the new Challenger. So yeah. Um, um, I, which I also played. So. Well, my, you know, you said you were a bit of a hypocrite with, in regard to the WarioWare thing. My own bit of hypocrisy is the fact that I would be w- really into ARMS if it was a VR game. <laughs> I feel like that game would be awesome in VR. And I, I really think that there needs to be some person working on a knockoff version for Vive right now because, uh, it, you know, it, I think that would be really fun if you were actually in the game inside the, that world and in doing the motion stuff. But I kind of agree with you that it doesn't, uh, I think the design of the characters is fun. I just it just doesn't look like something I want to be doing. Really, yeah, exactly. And like I said, it, it definitely feels like that next generation as far as the motion controls because it's it's infinitely more responsive. But at the same at the same time, you're still kind of doing the same general. You know, you're punching the air, right? It's just it's just not my kind of to, my kind of thing. So you mentioned you did play Street Fighter Two. Uh, did you play it with just like one half of the Joy-Con thing? No, and I have no idea whether you actually can because I feel like that would be almost a fool's errand. But um, right. <laughs> I, I played with the Pro Controller, which was fine, uh, fine for that. But, what I think know. is is crazy, like playing with like just half of the Joy-Con for a company who has the legacy and like the patent for the best D-pad in the business. That the Joy Cons don't have a D-pad. I just don't. I don't know how I'm going to enjoy playing some of those retro games with like the the buttons as D pad kind of thing instead of that traditional cross. It seems I get, I get it because like to turn it sideways to have it be its own little thingy or whatever, but it, that still seems weird to me. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. I, I I I thought the same thing when I was playing with the grip controller, and I was like, oh, those are four buttons. That's not a D pad. Um, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. So it's like if you want that traditional experience, then you're pretty much stuck with having to buy a pro controller. Uh, what else? Any any other highlights or you know Zelda? Uh, Splatoon two, I think, was a total blast. But at the same time, if you had told me that was Splatoon one, I would have totally believed you. Oh. Um, like they only had one mode on display, and it there was a new weapon, and that was the only thing I noticed. It was a new map and a new weapon. Mm-hmm. So I really hope that there's significant um, additions to this game because otherwise, why not just call it Splatoon Deluxe? You know what I mean? Or Splatoon. <laughs> Come on. It's just sitting right there waiting for you, and you don't go with it? Come on. Uh, but that said, you know, it controlled great. Both, And that was another game I tried both with the Pro Controller and the Portable Mode. And, you know, like, it totally works as a handheld game. And it works. I mean, we know that because we played it on Wii U that way. But right. um, it works really well. So did you, did you try Snipper Clippers? Nope, that was another one I didn't try. I was uh, I was playing Sonic Mania, which I think oh. is was absolutely a great demo. Um, oh, cool! If you're old and you still are hoping Sonic one day makes it back, I feel like this is our last hope. And if he doesn't, then forget it. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> I'm trying to find other things to get excited about. Uh, there's, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, this is like we've said. This is a really anemic launch lineup. Like it's hopefully we'll get mario this year and i think if so then zelda and mario are going to get us through this year but you know let's uh and and splatoon as well um yeah and uh, mario kart i guess mario kart's good i mean people are already playing mario kart but i guess the idea of being able to play mario kart 
uh, with a bunch of people standing around in a circle is good, I guess. Right. That's what that's what you're getting out of that Mario Kart. Uh, and that you know the um, which call it the uh, what do they call it that the uh, battle mode. Uh, well, that's cool. It turns it into kind of um, um, oh, what's the uh, Jaffe game that I can't think of right now. Uh, Drawn to death. Twisted metal. Oh, no, twisted metal. Yeah, turns it into twisted metal a little bit, right? So that could they've be cool. had that for that's like for years. They just kind of messed it up on but Mario. It Kart wasn't 8. good. Yeah, it used to it be, be good. good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Well, there that you have it. Uh, yeah, but Zelda is the <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Even at the event, it was kind of yeah, but Zelda. Right. Um. Christian, what you got? Any thoughts here? I think if Mario comes out this year, Mario and Zelda will arguably be up for Game of the Year. Uh, most outlets, I think, I'm very curious to see how Zelda runs on the Wii U. And I think that in our industry and even, you know, fans of the industry, I think excitement over new tech will get people to buy the Switch, even though, you know, you probably could just play it on your Wii U. Because really, how often are people going to be taking Zelda with them to do any meaningful gaming on it? Uh, I, uh, <laughs> uh, bold and crazy prediction. Um, I think the Switch ultimately over its life will in no appreciable way sell better than the Wii U. Hmm. Interesting. I, I would love to see the sales numbers for one, two switch. The fact that it's not a pack in game. I just very curious how many people are going to shell out 50 bucks yeah. for that game. It seems really, it seems bizarre that it's not a pack in. Right. Can I just say though, like I, I hear you about saying how you don't think it's going to sell more, but if we can like anthropomorphize these consoles, I just like it better than the Wii U for huh. some reason. Does that make sense? Like, it does. Absolutely does. It like does. When, so a couple of years ago, the Nintendo, like Reggie came to the EW office and they brought a Wii U and it was just, it was a really awkward experience. Like no one was excited about it. The people who don't cover games, who I like, who came along just didn't have a clue what was going on. Um, this one just feels, I don't know. There's something about it that feels more, a little more adult to me. Like it doesn't feel so, so much like a toy, like the holding it, it has a heft to it that it doesn't feel like cheap and plasticky the way the Wii U does. That's, um, that's a big thing I think for, so yeah, just, it, it just makes me feel like I'm, I'm more excited about it just after, after holding it than I ever was for the Wii U. I think you make a good point. And, and I think another thing that you um, ignore by saying that Christian is the central idea, which, you know, people like us who are really tied into the gaming world and, uh, you know, know the entire launch lineup and are criticizing it and know the specs and all that stuff. We have a certain perspective, but I think a, a much larger audience is sort of listening to the, to the bigger idea. And the bigger idea here is a very compelling one. Plug the thing into the home, con- home television, play it, pick it up and take it with you. Whereas the Wii U had a very muddled central concept, which is it's kind of an upgrade to the Wii you already have. And you've already kind of already gotten sick of that Wii. And this is named the same thing, and it's but it's HD and it sort of has new stuff, but it kind of is the same. And there's this pad and we don't know what to do with it. It was very – the messaging was very confused. And I don't think – as much as that press conference messaging was bizarre, I still think that the – just the – the central idea, the 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 raison d'être for for the console is very clear, and it, they don't even have to 
message it, it just kind of sells itself with the basic functionality. I hope you're right. I, uh, I mean, I just feel like, you know, it's something we've been saying since the first time I was on Weekend Confirmed all those years back. It's that you can you can take it with you, yeah, but you're not putting it in your pocket. You're you're putting a putting it in a case because it doesn't have, you know doesn't have a design like a 3ds or a DS. It kind of takes care of itself to be thrown into a bag. It's big. Um, it's like taking an iPad with you. And uh, if you want to take it with you to really play all the things and you're also packing the wrist straps that don't slide onto the thing, which I know maybe you're not bringing with you most of the time. Like it's not the easiest. It's not like every time you leave the house, you're taking this thing with you, because if you're at a movie screening and before the movie starts, you're going to be sitting there getting 10 minutes of Zelda in or whatever. I just don't think most people are going to be using it like that. I think it's a very strong selling point, but it's still competing against cell phones, which are Facebook, Twitter, email. Uh, match three games, Telltale games, um, Mario Run, other Nintendo games. I, I, I really, really want this thing to succeed, and I think I personally will get a lot of use out of it, just in the sense that it's better than a Wii U, and that I can actually play it in my bedroom at night without the signal being like, "Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry." Um, but uh, I, I'd love to be wrong on this one. I just, I just don't see this as the, you know, the white knight riding in on the horse. It's gonna. Uh, put them back on the map, unfortunately. We got several emails along these lines as well this week. Um, one comes from Blake. These are sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com, which you can always send feedback to us. Uh, I won't read the whole thing because I kind of feel like we've covered all of his points. But basically, he said he was a huge Nintendo fan and has owned all of their handhelds and consoles and was really excited for the launch and was let down by the launch lineup and the third-party support. And he said either one of those could have been the the thing that would have gotten him on board, either a very strong launch lineup or failing that, you know, promise that third parties were going to be on board. And he doesn't feel like Nintendo did either of those things. Uh, and I, you know, I kind of feel for him, but I, I don't think at this point you can expect anything else. I don't think that there's ever going to be a world where the Super Nintendo you know, it's it's back. There's never going to be a Nintendo makes a console and it's, you know, it's comparable to what you get from a PlayStation or a Xbox. I just don't think they want to. Yeah. I don't even think that this um, switch strategy is remarkably different from the Wii U or the Wii strategies. Um, I think they're doing, they're kind of playing the same play over again. Um, this one seems like kind of more of a culmination of those two kind of melded together and also with 3ds. So it's kind of like they've all converged. Um, but I don't think, I think people who are waiting for the second coming of the super Nintendo are going to be, they're going to be disappointed, you know? Yeah. Uh, over and above the, the, the switch event, uh, Aaron, is there anything else you've been playing that you want to bring up in your playlist? Oh, just a quick uh, shout out to Titan Souls, which is free on PS Plus this month. Um, it is an indie game that I checked out at PAX a couple years ago, and then I never picked it up for whatever reason. But it's basically kind of like a Dark Souls-y boss rush game where you only are fighting giant bosses and you just have an arrow that you can shoot at them. And for that simple of a conceit, it is spectacularly addictive. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's the kind of thing where you die you, you see a boss, you die, you see the boss, you die again, you see the boss, you die again. And when you finally beat it, 
you'll be doing like 80 style fist pumps in the air. Uh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty good feeling. And they, they do a lot with such a very little, uh, simple setup. Um, awesome. I definitely yeah. recommend checking it out. It's on again, PS plus. Again, it's called Titan souls free on PS plus. Um, I have two games that I've been playing this week that are both, uh, caught me by surprise. Well, one more than the other, but, uh, I was a fan of the first gravity rush and, uh, Gravity Rush 2, I think, you know, first Gravity Rush was a Vita exclusive and really was one of the only Vita games that I kind of, you know, loved. Uh, that's not true. Rogue Legacy also. But anyway, uh, Gravity Rush There's 2. There's so many, dude. There's so many. I know. We don't, we're not going to start this. There's so I many, know. though. You're Mr. Vita. Mr. Vita. <laughs> um, Gravity Rush 2 is a full-fledged PS4 game, takes the concepts of the first game and expands them. It becomes a, a big open-world RPG, uh, but the central um, mechanic, which is you are a person, uh, a young girl who can switch gravity off and kind of uh, propel herself in any direction, and... It doesn't work like a lot of – there's a lot of games that mess with gravity, but I think Gravity Rush does it in a way that no one else does. And that is, I think, much more consistent with the theme of gravity rather than rather than just sort of being able to fly or lift things and throw them around. Gravity Rush is really like, oh, we turned gravity upside down and you're falling. And you just decide to fall in whichever direction gravity is now that you decide. And that – mechanic that feeling of just like catapulting your body off into space and just hurling and kind of you know falling falling almost out of control in a direction toward the ground or toward the sky or horizontally whatever it is so fun you can also pick up objects and hurl them you, you create a uh, a gravity uh, you know a gravity field that you can manipulate and it's fun. You can walk around cities and, you know, when you fall a certain direction, everybody around you also gets affected by it or boxes are, you know, falling around. It really feels not just that you have the power to fly. It feels like you're actually changing the rules of gravity. Super fun. And you, you know, it's got role playing elements where you upgrade your, your stats and you can do things better. You can catapult yourself at enemies, uh, using your gravity push and you can, um, throw items at enemies and you can, uh, you also have, you know, punches and kicks that you can do and just throwing yourself around the play space at bad guys and, uh, at objects and then landing on the you know side of a wall and running up it. This even, you know, as you get to the later parts of the game where you get to, uh, cities, it has a, a teeny bit of crackdown in it as well. You're kind of like collecting these gems that help you upgrade and they're hidden around. Nah, not too hidden, but it's more about like, you know, running along the side of a wall to collect, collect gems, really, really cool mechanics. And, uh, the presentation is awesome as well. I wish the writing was better. The, it's very anime. It's very uh, kind of cheesy and clunky narrative. But the delivery of the narrative is super cool. It's it's like watching a manga where you know you're you're seeing this this motion comic on your television. You're clicking through um, you know comic panels as it's expressing its story. The story just isn't that good, and that's I think the biggest thing that holds the game back for me is I wish the writing was better. I wish the I mean, if you're really into anime, you'll probably excuse that because it feels like 
uh, a lot of the animes that I don't enjoy, which, which are very, I don't know, clunky, I guess is, is, is the word. Um, you know, people say how they feel right on the nose. People, um, it's, it's, it's just not a very nuanced or complex method of storytelling. I'm not saying all anime is like that. I'm saying the sort of bad versions are like that. And this one feels a little bit on that end of the spectrum, but the delivery of the story is really, really cool. And just the pure mechanics of playing the game are so fun that I found myself really hooked on this and I, I really like it. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of quests that are uh, very simplistic, a lot of fetch quests, a lot of, uh, you know, there's a whole sub sub quests to just go and mine the ore that gets you leveled up. And those things are very flimsy. You're just literally going to a mine and hitting ore over and over again and avoiding enemies or attacking those enemies. But the the stages these these mines are like these floating rocks all crazily you know organized in space and you're using your gravity to get from one to another and the and the fact that you can mine the ore by just slamming yourself into it and breaking it apart it it's still fun because that central 30 second game loop of the gravity controls are so fun and it's never it's never it never gets old to fling yourself at something and break it. It's just a blast. That's so. what I was uh, wanting to know because I, I I enjoyed the first one on Vita, but I got pretty frustrated with the controls after a while. Yeah, how does that how does that work on the PS4? Well, they still give you the option to use the gyro controls, but I just can't imagine anybody would want to do that. I, I mean, I switched it off immediately, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it, it's just dual stick fun stuff, and I. I think the game does a remarkable job for as disorienting a central concept as that is. I think the game does a remarkable job of making the camera never um, – it, it's it's amazing how infrequently I felt disoriented. It's amazing how the game sort of always had my back. Even when the whole world is topsy-turvy and I'm upside down, it was really easy for me to write things and get myself reoriented. And I think that's not easy to do with a game like this. So, uh, I thought that I, I love the controls. I was having a blast just, just attacking enemies and, and, um, you know, running through the cities and talking to people. The, the quests themselves could be better. I mean, this is not great open world quest design, but it, ultimately what you're doing every time is, you know, using her powers and using her powers is just fun. Like even, even the dumb, like deliver the newspaper. There's a whole quest chain of like, deliver the newspaper to places in the city. And you're just picking up the newspaper with your gravity and throwing it at places and it's timed. And that's, I just don't like that kind of thing. It's dumb. It's just, oh, just, but using her powers is fun. And the way that they position the stuff around the city makes you have to do things fast and fling yourself around at, at crazy speeds. So it's, it's, it mitigates the lame quest design by how cool the mechanics are. Anyway, um, Sam Flavin in the chat says Jeff hates anime confirmed. Oh, oh, well, I don't hope that that's not the impression that I got, but I have soured on it a lot since my halcyon days of, of high school. Um, but the other game I want to talk about quickly, uh, is, a complete revelation to me. <laughs> it's my new crack. 
I'm super late to the party on this game, but it was just released on Steam. It's been out on iOS for a long time. You can get it on iOS for two bucks, and I I guarantee you, it will be the best two dollars you've spent. You would look at this game in the App Store and go, uh, "There's no way I'm buying that. It looks stupid." It's called Dream Quest, and it's a roguelike, uh, card-based role-playing game. And it is spectacular. It is – the graphics are among the worst I've ever seen. It's literally like stick figures and childlike scratches and scrawls and not intentional. I don't think that that's intentional. I think that's just the designer couldn't make good graphics. It really looks amateurish and bad. But this game is the ultimate proof that game mechanics are everything – because I have stayed up to like two or three o'clock in the morning playing this game. And it it's a roguelike. And and you know, I have a love-hate relationship with roguelikes. One of my favorite games of the last few years was Rogue Legacy. And that game uh proved to me that I could fall in love with roguelikes because it mitigated all of the frustration of dying, because dying actually helped you in that game. And the same is the case here with Dream Quest. You're uh, an adventurer of whatever class you choose uh, at the beginning of the game, and you're delving deeper and deeper into a dungeon. The dungeon is a grid. You're walking along that grid. You're encountering monsters. You're choosing to fight them or not, and you fight them using cards in your deck that do specific things. You have a certain number of actions, and you have a certain amount of mana, depending on your class. You can spend those. The game is really slick. It's very streamlined. You literally have a play all button. So if you get a hand of cards, you can just click play all if there's no specific order that will help you out and it'll just play all of them, which actually makes fighting really streamlined and cool. But it is super challenging. The card mechanics are supremely well tuned. So, you know, you you feel awesome when you get a new thing. You're, you're getting gold and you're buying stuff and you're upgrading your cards and you're getting more powerful and then ultimately you're dying. And when you die, game is over and you start again. But based on the accomplishments that you did in your, in your playthrough, it will give you certain bonuses to your characters going forward. So you're constantly building up your abilities when you start a fresh character. And for me, that is everything in making these games feel better because when I die, it doesn't feel like I've lost everything. It doesn't feel like wasted time anymore. It feels like, oh, okay, that's just part of the process in powering up. I cannot recommend Dream Quest higher. I think this game is a steal at two bucks. I think it's like 15 bucks on, on, or 20 bucks on, uh, on Steam. It looks, it's gonna, you're gonna laugh at the graphics and go, really? What is this? Looks like it's 10, right? It's 10 right now on Steam. 10, even better. A steal. steal. You will have many hours of amazing time if you can overlook the crappy graphics. It is unbelievable. It's called Dream Quest. And just, I just saw that a a Blizzard, one of the Blizzard designers um, said the Hearthstone team is all playing Dream Quest right now. That was a tweet. Oh, that's, (laughs) I believe it because it, it, you know, it's, if you loved Hearthstone, this is another way to scratch that itch because it has that same kind of card-based mechanics and cards can affect each other. Dude, last night, so you can get equipment, and I got these things called the Flying Scimitars. The Flying Scimitars, basically, if you equip them, uh, you can 
it will make a copy of any attack card you play. So you start streaming together these these combos of like getting five attack cards in your hands, and then it makes a copy of all of them. So you're like doing massive damage, and it, and the game does so many satisfying things, like allowing you to equip as many items as you want. You can keep stacking equipment. So I'll have a sword that gives me a bonus attack. A uh, point of attack on all my attack cards, and then I'll do a second sword, and then I'll do a sort of Damascus that adds lightning to that sword. So now all of that stuff stacks. So if I play one attack three card, it gets buffed and it gets multiplied, and I'm doing all this fun, cool card manipulation stuff, and I still get killed by the stupid enemies uh, because this game is brutally difficult. But it just doesn't feel soul crushing like a lot of roguelikes are with its difficulty because I'm right back in and I want to start again. And I want to try it another try. Oh, it's such a great game. All right. Um, we're going to, we're going to skip tabletop time this week. Uh, but I do want to carve out a little bit of time for VR talk, but first I have to thank our final sponsor. Uh, and that is Squarespace. Uh, at the point in anybody's life, there comes a time when you need a website Everybody's going to need a website sooner or later. And the best way to make a website is with Squarespace. Squarespace is a place that allows you to make beautiful, unique, interesting websites using their tools that don't look like everything else, but are easy. You don't have to have HTML coding experience. You can just drag and drop. You can just make things uh, the way you would want to. Sliding what you see is what you get. Sliding stuff around, making it look great. Better yet, Squarespace is going to let you use their tools for free without even having to put in a credit card until you like what you've made and want it to be released. At that point, you can sign up. And if you sign up for a year, you get a free domain name. These are professionally designed templates that you can make your own. These are sites that will look professionally designed even if you don't have the experience because the tools are so easy to use. Plus, when you sign up using our promo code, which is uh, DLC, or excuse me, Jeff sent me. You go to squarespace.com slash DLC, use our promo code Jeff sent me, and you will get 10% off your purchase. Oh, so great. Start your free trial today, squarespace.com slash DLC. Use that promo code Jeff sent me, get yourself 10% off. Christian, VR, what have you been doing? You got the goggles, you got some face on with some stuff. What are you talking about? I do have some stuff. Did you fall asleep? Um, you all right? Did you take some medicine? Of, some medicating? I, I, didn't, I didn't fall asleep. Did you go to the game. dentist while we were talking? I'm glad you like it, but that sounds horrible to me. Everything about that game. <laughs> Dream Quest? Yeah, it sounds like this. You have this. to try it, dude. It's no, so never. Why, never. Why, why does that sound bad? Do you I... Not- dislike card games i find graphics to be important and i'm not a fan of tabletop games and this sounds like it's a tabletop game turned into a card game turned into a video game with crappy graphics that will have me dying a lot nope (laughs) it's just not for me it's fine it's fine mr poopy pants how about this anything that you spend 10 hours with pokemon and then i'll i'll play this game okay so I spend 10 hours and you play a game for five minutes. Is that, that's the, no, I don't know. How long do I need to play of this card game? Well, I, 10 I, hours. <laughs> yes, 10 <laughs> hours. That does, yeah. That does seem fair. Doesn't it, Aaron? Yes. That does seem fair. It just sounds like you're both going to suffer. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
but we have our new Twitch channel, which is called Jeff and Christian Play Games Begrudgingly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All I did is in VR is the People's House, which was recently released. It's by the same people that did um, the National Geographic narrated by Barack Obama for... um, I forget what they, they, it was like Earth Day or something like that, which was excellent. And this is, uh, you can watch it without VR, but it's also like co-sponsored by Oculus. It's a 360 degree video and it's uh, cameos from, cameos, uh, but uh, the Obamas are in it and you get to go through the White House. And it's it's stuff like that is cool. It makes me wish the screen fidelity was, or the resolution was a little sharper. I feel like for games, you don't notice it as much, but when it's live, you know, video, you can tell that, yeah, this isn't as sharp as you want it to be in your VR headset. But, um, you know, I am a fan of the Obamas and just listening to uh, Barack speak uh, is, I think, some of the most amazing stuff of my lifetime. So (laughs) if I'm going through a virtual tour of the White House and he's talking to me, I'm having a good time. with it. It's short. It's eight minutes. But if you haven't done it, it it is free and I think worth checking out. I haven't done it just on like a flat screen 360 video, but um, I think it's interesting and worth checking out. Cool. The People's House is what it's called. What platform is that? It's Oculus, but also available just as like a 360 video on web app. You might be able to hack it into a PSVR, but I have not tried. Gotcha. What about you, Aaron? You getting any face on with anything? I haven't played anything new, but I did finally get a, uh, get around to uh, the Star Wing, the Star Wars Battlefront X-Wing VR mm-hmm. and the, the Call of Duty Jackal Assault, which are kind of similar. Um, I think you guys have talked about at least at least the Star Wars one, right? Or yeah, I think both of them, but what, what is your yeah. what are your take on them? I, I, that's kind of like what I like. That's kind of my VR preferred experience. I, I found that space shooters are just fun. Mm-hmm. And I like, I, you know, I, I, I love those tech demos and I look forward to the full experience maybe next year. Uh, Cause they're very, they're both very short. Right. But I think they work really well for that type of experience. And it's kind of the, been they've been two of my, more uh I, I don't know like the, that new valkyrie like I, I like that kind of sense of immersion in those space shooters and it just feels it feels really good and I, it doesn't make me feel sick and right it's kind of exciting and um i haven't really been playing my uh playstation vr that much but those ones got me a little excited yeah so. i think the uh, cockpit stuff is a great entry level for people that might be worried about a little uh, motion sickness because mm-hmm. you're you're having a constant point of, of the cockpit of the control panel in front of you of the window and all that stuff, it really centers your brain and lets you have a, you know, a point of reference for all the other stuff that's moving around and it might help people get their VR legs a little quicker. Um, you know, I used to be skeptical on this whole idea of VR legs, but I've come around on it. I think that it's, it really, you do get more acclimated the more stuff you play. So, uh, but man, Star Wars, X-Wing VR, is there any better experience to give people for their first VR than that? It's just so, so, such a wish fulfillment, such a perfect wish fulfillment. So awesome. Yeah. And I mean, it does, is, that's all we want, right? <laughs> like we just want like a full game of that. That yeah. would be so incredible with all the different types of vehicles. Like how amazing would that oh be? Oh my God. Give me a speeder bike on Endor yes. in VR, please. Ugh. Oh. Want, all of those things like you're in an ad at walking through uh hoth just shooting down rebels something like that from the cockpit in uh, vr so any of those experiences would be amazing yeah like, i don't want battlefront 2 i want star wars vr basically yeah i want yes. star wars vehicles vr game you know? yeah i'll even take pod racing i'll even take uh <laughs> put me in one of those uh uh what are those things that the gungans use with the bubbles i'll take that just give it to me <laughs> 
Uh, Yippee. <laughs> uh, I want to mention uh, The Climb. Again, I think I talked about The Climb, but uh, I think I talked about The Climb back when it was just a controller game. And it is a completely different experience when you have the touch controllers. It's the way it was meant to be played. And man, I really hope they re-release. I guess um, Robinson the Journey is coming out on Oculus very soon. I, I, I haven't heard, but I hope it supports the touch controllers because that's the way that game was meant to be played. It was not meant to be played where you just, you know, look with your face at the next place you grab. It's meant to be you reach out and grab the ledge and pull yourself up. God, it feels so good to do that. It is the climb is a thrilling, beautiful experience. You do feel like you're climbing, and with the touch controllers, that's the way it's supposed to be. It's the way it's supposed to be. Uh, I also played uh, Arizona Sunshine, which is like this big zombie shooter uh, with a you know robust single player campaign. Um, there's a lot of zombie shooters on VR right now, but almost all of them are wave based. And uh, this is actually, you know, a story about a dude who wakes up in the zombie apocalypse and you have to get ammo and walk around. And I stopped playing it because I heard that they are going to update it with uh, true locomotion, like um, D-pad style locomotion instead of the teleporting that it's currently using. Because I find the teleporting in this particular kind of game to be... Um, not the not the best, and um, I'm so excited that they're adding the locomotion, and hopefully it doesn't make me nauseated. But I think uh, Arizona Sunshine has a lot of potential. It's really cool. It's a big, robust kind of AAA experience. I just haven't gotten that far into it. Anyway, but I'm excited to play more of it. All right, um, uh, let's uh, let's wrap the show up. We, we're kind of going long, and we, we we talked a lot Nintendo, but it was it's a Nintendo week, and I'm excited. Uh, even if we were a little negative, I think uh, overall, it's an exciting time. Anytime Nintendo comes out with new hardware and you get a new official Mario announcement, I mean, those are these are exciting times to be a video gamer. That's for sure. Yeah, hardware launches are the best from hype and kind of the worst from the actual experience, but they're still exciting. <laughs> it's true. You know, we say it every time, but it bears repeating. You know, it, the smartest people are the people that wait on this stuff uh, because it's never as good as it's going to be when it's first released. But yeah, but Zelda, you know, because <laughs> in this particular case, especially if you're not already a Wii U owner, uh, I think that Zelda is going to be an extraordinary experience. And like I said, lying on the grass in my backyard playing Zelda for up to three hours <laughs> as my child screams indoors and wants me to come back. I was going to say, you won't have three hours alone. To... <laughs> true. Yeah, better life isn't going to bother me. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think um, I think it's, you know, it's exciting. And I'm really glad, Aaron Morales, you were here to help uh, explain your experience and help us work through our complicated feelings about uh, the, the uh, Nintendo Switch. I'm just trying to create a safe space to explore our feelings. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, where can people find out? I was enjoying reading your your uh, write-up in Entertainment Weekly Online of your experience. Uh, where can people find that and follow your work? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Airline M. And then for my articles, you can go to EW.com slash gaming. And that'll take you to whatever I've been working on lately. Very cool. Uh, Christian, how about you? What do you got going on? We got we got parting gifts coming up, but we'll... Uh... I'll tell you about what what's going on in our lives right now. Christian, what do you got? 
Yeah, uh, you can subscribe to the podcast I do at least 20 more minutes uh, through my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Christian Spicer. It's one geek-centric episode every week at the at a minimum, plus the, the fun stuff of the format is I can just do an episode whenever I want. So right after the Switch annou- announcement, you and I jumped on. We did some hot takes on Switch. I've done some hot takes after uh, like the PlayStation experience and stuff like that. But the regular episodes, I think, are fun as well. And that is patreon.com slash Christian Spicer. Then I host a parenting podcast, short, humorous, uh, about an article or something in parenting. And with with, uh, Chris Quintos, it's called Department of Parenting. And then if you're listening to this episode this week, I will be back down in San Diego on Wednesday and Thursday of this week, kind of running around doing a whole bunch of shows. I'm trying to refine these two bits that I have um, <laughs> and they're there, but I end up always having fun on stage instead of just sticking to what I need to stick to, to give to someone important. <laughs> uh, so I'll be, I'll be working those out down in San Diego. If you are there, um, you can for sure find me at the comedy store and then Twitter will be the best way to keep in touch. It is at Spicer S P I C E R not, not Sean Spicer. <laughs> I get a lot of tweets that people are sending to Sean Spicer. I am not him, I promise you. <laughs> Jeff, what about you? I've got a couple of other shows for you to check out, uh, including my slash film cast, which is uh, not my, my, I meant to say my film review show called the slash film cast. It's only a third mine. Not even really that because I joined late. Anyway, uh, you can find it at slash filmcast.com. Uh, we are talking about. Oh, Silence. I think we just did Silence and, uh, oh, and Hidden Figures. We did Hidden Figures this week. Comes out. Um, so check those episodes out over at slashfilmcast.com. And I do a comedy science show called We Have Concerns, which you can find at wehaveconcerns.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jeff Kanata. All right, guys. Let's uh, wrap the show up with a little bit of a parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion. Aaron, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Yeah, I was going to say, if you are feeling sad and lonely, maybe look into adopting a pet. Because if you have a new pet, you will never be sad or lonely. Uh, We just adopted our second cat, a little kitten who's about six months old. And it's impossible to be sad around Minnie, the little cat. His name is Minnie. Um, He's he's sitting in my lap right now. Um, I am definitely a crazy cat lady. It's happening. (laughs) Um, if you want to like, if you don't ever don't follow me on Instagram, it's just don't because it's just cats. <laughs> it's like a cat explosion. Well, it's cats and like awesome dinner parties. It's, you guys always look very happy and there's like right. an amazing spread on the table. Yeah, that's what, that's what happens when you get into your late thirties. It's just cats and dinner parties. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds delightful. But uh, yeah, they're just a joy to have. I mean, this kitten has twice cannonballed into an open toilet and it's hilarious every time. <laughs> Um, it just, yeah, it's impossible to be sad when you have a, a new like little bundle of joy. So I'm sure you can relate Jeff, but <laughs> well, yeah, I have a different kind of bundle of joy. A different kind of bundle yeah, of joy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm, I am, I have to admit, I'm very glad we didn't have a pet before the child. <laughs> Oof, right. Oh, that's tough. Uh, Christian, how about you? You got a parting gift? Yeah. Uh, I'm catching up on, on films to do my duty to vote for the Screen Actors Guild Awards. Um, and two I'd I watched that have been out for a while, but I had not seen, kept putting them off and I have screeners of them. Uh, I Moonlight, which is phenomenal. What a, 
what a film. Everybody already knew it was amazing. And I am so glad that I too got to know how amazing it is by spending time with it. And then Manchester by the Sea. Ooh, that's a one-two punch of sadness right there. Yeah, it was back-to-back nights. Ooh, and um rough. But good. Uh, I, I never thought I'd live in the world where Casey Affleck is so incredible. Not that any disrespect to Casey Affleck, but you know what I mean? Like, it was like, oh, Ben's little brother acts. Man, Manchester by the Sea. Not, I'm not saying you shouldn't read anything about it. I didn't know anything about it. And it is just such a, just an ordinary tale, right? Just a slice of life. And, and both of those films are so well done that they are there. You, you won't leave uplifted necessarily, no. <laughs> but I highly recommend both of those films. They are so, so well done. Moonlight and Manchester by the Sea. Yeah, don't plan to do anything after seeing those movies because you will have no willpower. You will be crushed, but they are. Sounds like you should cuddle a cat after. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a perfect c- uh, companion for the movie ex- experience. Um, I have a um, a listener sent in a uh, a uh, parting gift, and you can always do that to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This comes from Carrie. Carrie says, uh, August 3rd, I was diagnosed with kidney cancer. I am definitely not dead, but boy, does it make you think. You never know when your time is up. My parting gift is something that has come to me while going through this experience. While we all enjoy games, movies, podcasts, and books, sometimes it feels like I'm spending my time trying to consume as much as I can. It's an impossible mission, and when you're dead, it just doesn't matter. My suggestion is to spend less time consuming and more time creating. It's fun, and now more than ever, it's easy. For example, I've had a great time over Christmas building a simple VR application by reading Unity Virtual Reality Projects by Jonathan Lanoz. And every and uh, time spent editing a mountain of old home videos feels like time genuinely well spent. I still consume, but much less. Think about building a legacy, even if it's a crappy one, that only you or your family will appreciate. Cheers, Carrie. And he says, P.S. I now have one less kidney. And I'm having regular CT scans to check uh, that I stay cancer-free. Hopefully, I should be okay. Well, we're rooting for you, Carrie. That's a beautiful sentiment. I appreciate you sending it in, and I appreciate you still making time in your consumption schedule for our show. Uh, We really appreciate it, especially as you whittle things down, that we uh, remain in the mix. It it means a lot to us. So thanks for sending that in. My uh, parting gift, uh, I want to leave things on a positive note and... Uh, I, this made my week. It's not really a recommendation so much as it is uh, something that made me smile. And I hope it as a parting gift will make you smile as well. Uh, Chris White from Columbus, Ohio, uh, sent me a lengthy email, which was really sweet. And at the end of it, he says, I'm an English teacher and have often used slash stolen some of your insights and comments with my students. Perhaps the most egregious example is when I started a couple of years ago to sing your story of the week jingle in my class, but my classes, uh, excuse me, uh, story of the week jingle in my class, but submitting poem for story to match our poem of the week assignments that we do every other week. While most of my classes kind of roll their eyes when I begin to sing this, one class has latched onto it and has begun singing it in unison before I even get the chance to. They even want to make a music video for it. Whenever I hear them begin to sing Poem of the Week, it's the Poem of the Week, and even put your uh, your, uh, grunted emphasis on the last line, I can't help but smile and think of you. So at least you got that going for you. Uh, Chris also sent this. 
Poem of the week, it's the poem of the week. Poem of the week, it's the poem of the week. That just made my day. Uh, I hope it, it brightened yours as well. Uh, I love hey, Chris, though, um, if any of your students hand you a paper that's plagiarized, just know it's not plagiarized. They're just borrowing from us as well. <laughs> way, to, way to ruin a wonderful, beautiful sentiment to end the show with, Christian. Thank you. For that. That's what Christian is here for. <laughs> uh, I really love that. Thank you, guys. That, that was his class singing the Poem of the Week song. Um, so, uh, I'll leave you guys on that. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, thanks to Aaron Morales and Christian Spice for hanging out with me. Uh, thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L, Sean Madigan and Zero Star. Thanks to all the folks that hung out in the live chat and made the show better by being here. We appreciate you. Uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.